0: well good morning my name is aaron Ferguson. i'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie free church and i have the privilege of working with college students and young adults in a ministry called c20 and um, i feel like i'm becoming more and more of a nebraskan every winter it's my second winter i was wearing a long sleeve shirt at a wedding yesterday and i didn't feel that cold i guess god has given me the strength of enduring the cold Uh, thank you jesus Um, this is the third week in our series savoring christmas Uh, week one we talked about what does it look like to have simplicity this christmas week two we talked about what does it look like to have margin in your calendar to be able to savor jesus this christmas and now today we're going to talk about hospitality what does it look like to have an extra chair at the table uh, this christmas and so Before we do, I just want to have a quick conversation with you. Um, This is somewhat of a soapbox I'm on here, but if you will, um, do we have anybody, are there any folks in here who are art fans? Like you love art, you like looking at it, you're a modern art person. Okay, I saw about uh, more hands than I thought, that's great. I'm not, I'm actually um, woefully inadequate at art. I actually got a 71 in ninth grade. Uh, my art teacher said, we're just going to go ahead and let you move on, Aaron. You don't have to take this class again. But uh, those of you that love art, that are, you know, you sit and you ponder when you look at that modern art. You you gaze at it. You pontificate. You see that deeper meaning behind it. You're like, this speaks to war here, this piece of art. Or you look at a sculpture and you're like, this is love. And here's what I see, okay? Not not very skilled, but here's what I see. I see someone who grabs a paintbrush, dips it in some paint, and just flings it on a canvas and calls it a day. That's what I see. I don't get it. It's strange to me. Modern art's strange. It's confusing. It's unfamiliar. I don't really get it. But um, recently, this really famous artist, he's a modern artist. His name's Maurizio Catalan. And uh, here's what he did, Okay. He grabbed a banana and taped it to the wall. And this art piece, this art installation at Art Basel in Miami is called Comedian. And I know why he did—he called it Comedian. Because he laughed all the way to the bank. Here's how much they sold it for. Are you ready? Are you all with me? I'm not making these things up. $120,000 for that. Amazing. Our, our um, creative art team here is so gifted, they're so amazing, that they actually did their own rendition of Comedian, and it's here with us today. They're on the door, you that are on this side, you can only see it on the camera, there it is. Y'all give them, give them a hand, that's amazing, wow. Wow. And I asked them, how much are we willing to sell this for? And they said, let's give them a discount. So for $60,000, you guys can have your own rendition of Comedian and all proceeds go to our From Here to their campaign. So, um, you know, as I was thinking about art and modern art and how confusing and strange it is, you know, God is this beautiful, amazing artist, this creator. He uses different colors, shapes, and sizes, personalities to create people. And God puts his value and love into all of creation, all people. Some of us, if you're like me, you're a little weird, you're a little strange, you're a little different. Some of us are rough around the edges. Some of us are just hard to be around. Some of us are negative. We just struggle with negativity all the time. And it's really hard for us to be around those kind of people. And it got me thinking. The word there in the reading, Romans 12, the word for hospitality means this there in the greek it means it the word is philoxenos. do we got any greek speakers in here here's what philoxenos means phyla which is where we get the word philadelphia means love xenos means stranger Philoxenos, hospitality means love stranger love the stranger god creates all people with value he instills his value in all of creation And he loves it when we love and pursue the stranger. As we move into our third week here, our reading is in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And here's what it starts out saying. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taking of the entire Roman world. We're introduced to this character, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus is the most powerful Caesar in the history of the world at that time. He had just conquered his relative, Mark Anthony, who partnered up with Cleopatra. Mark Anthony and Cleopatra had far more soldiers, far more horsemen than um, Augustus did, yet his leadership and his skill he dominated them. He won the war. And now he was over all the Roman provinces. And they gave him the name Augustus, which means exalted one. They have never called a Caesar Augustus before that. But he was so powerful that they called him Augustus. And so we are introduced to Augustus Caesar. And he decides to flex a little power muscles and do a census. And um, it got me thinking. Now, imagine if Augustus Caesar sends a courier to your house here in Kearney, Nebraska. Okay, I don't know why he's doing that, but he's doing that. Okay? He sends you a courier and the courier knocks on your door and says, Augustus Caesar will be staying at your house tomorrow. Okay, here's, what's gonna, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do whatever it takes to clean your house. You're going to yell at your kids, you need to go grab the toothbrush and clean all the cracks and crevices of the bathroom right now. Okay. You're also going to say, let's pull off all the sheets, all the blankets. We're going to wash those. We're going to pull out our fine china that only comes out of the, the cabinet every couple of years. You're going to send your husband to Runza to get some of the beefy cabbage goodness hot pocketness. Okay? <laughs> You're going to go to Hy-Vee, get some salad. Not Caesar salad, that's mocking Caesar. Okay. You're going to get some Dorothy Lynch, that good stuff, that sweet, sweet good stuff. You're going to pull out all the stops. You're going to make sure that Augustus Caesar has the best possible stay at your house. But here's what's interesting. Just as you pull out all the stops, you pull out all the... the the fine linens and the fine china. The reason you do that is because of this. When we see the stranger's inherent value, we serve them better. Augustus Caesar's a stranger to you. You don't know him. He's a stranger, yet you know his value, his authority, and his worth. And because you know his value and his authority and his worth, you're going to serve him better. Then we're introduced to three more characters. Again, we have... Mary, Joseph, and yet-to-come Jesus. And Caesar calls for this census. Therefore, all these people have to travel to their lineage, their place of their lineage. And Joseph has to travel from Galilee to Bethlehem, which is 80 to 90 miles. They don't hop on a donkey. They actually have to walk this far, walk this distance. It could take a couple of weeks. So on their walk, they're tired from their journey. The baby's about to show up, and uh, Mary starts elbowing Joseph in the, the ribs and says, You need to find us a place to have this baby, Jesus, the Savior of the world, okay? And so Joseph frantically is like, All right. So he starts asking, Is there anybody that has a place for us to stay? Anybody that has room? The more he asks, the more he starts to get let down, the more he feels like maybe he's a failure because I cannot find a place. for the future savior of the world to be born. Push comes to shove. Mary says, you better find me a place right now. I'm about to have this baby. Um, she had a D voice at that time. And uh, well, I don't know if there was somebody that offered it, but uh, all that was left was a manger, a cave, and a little animal trough where animals would eat. And so they head over there, and the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, is born on hay. He, he has no place for him to be born. He has no place to call his own. He's born on hay, and then they place him in an animal trough. It's amazing to see the contrast of these two characters and how we treat and deal with these two characters. I think the reason... They were treated as such as this. When we fail to see a stranger's inherent value, we can discard them as someone else's problem. What would you do? Mary and Joseph? Joseph's probably knocking on the on on the door. Everybody's traveling at this time. There are no places to stay. Everybody's got the same excuse. Joseph knocks on a door and he says, I actually am going to be the father of the savior of the universe. They're like, we've heard that one before. They close the door, you know, he moves on. What would you do? Man, it's interesting how we deal with these two different characters. Many Jewish people at this time were preparing for this powerful, conquering Messiah. They actually thought Jesus was going to be an Augustus Caesar-like character. Maybe they'd have called him Augustus Jesus, exalted one Jesus. But no. No. Jesus shows up as a frail, poor baby born in a cave where animals lay. So surprising. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were discarded as someone else's problem because no one knew the great value that they had with them. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Hospitality is close to the heart of Jesus because he was a stranger and an outcast from birth all the way to his death. It's so dear to his heart because he was a stranger. The third thing we see here is when we are hospitable to the stranger, we are hospitable to Jesus himself. Look at Matthew 25, verse 31 through 40. I'll be reading it for you. in prison to go visit you the king will reply truly i tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me when you love the least of these when you value the least of these no matter how different no matter how unusual no matter how strange you are actually loving and valuing jesus himself jesus gives us a glimpse into what's important to him At this time, in Matthew twenty-five, this is the powerful and mighty Jesus that the Jews expected. He's sitting on his throne, and they're thinking he's now he's ready. He's going to take over now. But then he surprises us even again. He shares about this, his great concern, and his determination between the sheep and the goats is what did you do with the lowly? What did you do with the stranger? Look at verse 37. Then the righteous will answer, When did we see you? When did we see you? It's interesting that it says, The righteous. Righteous means right living. Those that are right are going to say, When did we see you, Jesus? When did we see you being all these things? We never saw you with our eyes being these things. Maybe Jesus was being sarcastic. By saying the righteous. This suffering servant King Jesus. My page is stuck together. Forgive me. The righteous only focused on being right. They only focused on being good. On obeying the rules. Following the laws. They were so focused on being right. So focused on obeying the laws. So focused on being good that they didn't actually see the people that were hurting right around them. The stranger, the sick, those in prison, those that were hungry, those that were naked. Jesus is not only concerned with our right behavior, he's also concerned about what we do with what we see. One scholar said it like this, what have we done with our knowledge, our time, our money, our abilities, the sins of omission, what we don't do, may ultimately be more dangerous than the sins of commission, what we do. I think during this Christmas season and in life, if our lives are too complex, got too much going on, busy, 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 go, 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 and we don't have margin in our calendars, we will not have the time or space to be able to see the needs of those around us if we're only focused on being right, on being good, on being moral, obeying the laws, being a good person, we're not gonna be able to see the needs of those around us. For example, Jesus in the eyes of the foster child, praying for adoption. Jesus as the rough around the edges neighbor that lives down the road. Jesus as the can't stay sober veteran who has seen war. Jesus in the widowed woman who lives across the street, or Jesus and the single mom who struggles to keep her house together. When we value and love the stranger, we will see the needs of the stranger. My father-in-law is from Dallas, and being living in Texas, you don't hang out with snow a whole lot, and they decided to head up to Kearney from Dallas by car, it's about a 10 hour drive, and when they're about 13 minutes away from our house here in Kearney, they give us a call and they say, hey, and I don't know if you remember, last, during Thanksgiving, on Tuesday, it started snowing a lot, so uh, he calls and says, hey, we're in the ditch, we had swerved off the road, okay, some of y'all are laughing and making fun of him, yes, he's from Texas, I am too, we're bad drivers, okay, I get it, okay. But uh, my wife and I are like, all right, what are we going to do? How are we going to get these people out of, the, out of the ditch? And so we start thinking, well, do, we, do we have a chain? Do we have a rope? What are we going to do? But then the idea came to us. Surely there's going to be some wonderful, amazing Nebraskan who's going to see them in the ditch and, and pull them out. Well, we get a phone call from them. They say, hey, somebody stopped by and they got a big old truck and they're going to help us get out so evidently i guess a farmer's chilling in his house and he sees a car in the ditch and he's like oh it's probably a texan and so he uh hops in his car and he drives over there and sees them in the ditch he's like okay i'm gonna pull out the big gun so he drives back to his house and he gets his tractor okay so he got his tractor attached to the car no big deal no damage pulls them out of the ditch in just a few seconds and they're on their way 13 minutes later, we're back home eating dinner. I bet you that farmer had something going on in his house. It's snowing. He's warm. He's inside. He's drinking hot cocoa and watching American Idol. Okay, <laughs> He's relaxing. He's busy. But he has his eyes open to the needs around him. And he sees someone in the ditch. And he uses his resources and his tools to help provide for my family, the stranger to them. And so when we have our eyes open, when we got space in our schedule, when we're living lives that are simple, we're able to savor this Christmas and have an extra chair at the table. We're able to be hospitable to those that are strange, those that are different, those that are hurting. Many of you have already got your eyes open. <clears throat> you have helped, uh, Take care of a compassion kid. You're sending letters. You're, you're sending money. Some of you volunteer here in the numerous ministries here at the church, whether it be children's ministry or youth ministry, or maybe you're a mentor for college students. We have students from all over the world who actually attend UNK, and you're a part of that friendship program. And I want to say thank you for keeping your eyes open to the strangers around you. Maybe some of you, this is unfamiliar territory to you, hanging out with strangers, Okay, you grew up with stranger danger. Okay, don't talk to strangers, right? And this is unfamiliar to you. If you've ever driven around Colorado in the mountains, especially for the first time, you drive slow and steady. <clears throat> you take your time. You want to make sure that you're not going to swerve off the road into the ditch, right, or off the side of a cliff. Um, you take your sweet time. It's unfamiliar. You learn the road. But the the more you drive in the mountains of Colorado, the more familiar you get, the more comfortable you get. And I think the same is true for spending time with those that are different. Spend time with the stranger, the lowly, the outcast. The more you do it, the more you engage with those that are different. The more you engage with those that are unfamiliar, the more comfortable you're going to get. And those people that are strangers, those people that are different are actually going to become family, going to become friends to you, and it's going to become familiar to you and comfortable our um, from Sunday to everyday team created this amazing prayer card. So if you're saying, Aaron, I see that when we serve and love those that are strange to us, the stranger, we're actually serving and loving Jesus. I want to be like that. I want to serve and love people. Here's how, how you can start. Okay? Grab this uh, love the one prayer card and you Pray through these prayers. God, make me aware. Cause me to look up and see the people in front of me. Give me eyes to see the needs of those around me. God, soften my heart. Give me a heart of compassion and of genuine care for the person or the people you just showed me. And then last, God, make me bold. Give me courage and your strength to take action when I see that I can connect with someone grab these cards, pray through these prayers, and God's going to start to make you aware. He's going to soften your heart, and he's going to make you bold. Here are some few a few practical ideas. Maybe you can join the International Friendship Program and partner with somebody that uh, lives all across, all across the world that is attending here at UNK. Maybe you can start volunteering in the youth ministry or in R3 or in... Um, in the college ministry or in the children's ministry or in all the numerous ministries that we have here at the church maybe you can adopt a compassion child and write letters and send money and help them to go to school and to learn about the love of God I don't know what it is for you I don't know what you are currently doing I don't know what you're not currently doing but may God push you and usher you to see the needs of the stranger that's around you, the person that's different, the person that is far different culturally to you, and that you can use your gifts and your resources to meet those needs. Jesus's hospitality has brought us from strangers to family. This this suffering servant, King Jesus... From the manger to the cross was a stranger, was an outcast. His entire life, he did this for one reason. That's to rescue us, to make us family on the cross. Why did he suffer his whole life? Why did he suffer his entire life? Why did he come to earth? Because he loves you and he loves me. He loves us. That's why he came. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty might become rich. I want you to look with me at Matthew 25, verse 35, in the second part of that verse. Here's what it says. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, And you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Here's what I want you to do. As you read through that verse, I want you to put your name where it says I. So for me, Aaron was a stranger, and Jesus invited me in. Aaron needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Jesus... Brought me into the family of God when I was a stranger, cast out by my sin and selfishness. I know myself. I tried, I tried, I tried. Yet Jesus sought me out and He made me family. I'm no longer a stranger, and He invited me in. I needed clothes because I was shameful because of my sin and shame. Yet He clothed me in righteousness because He loves me. He wrapped His righteousness around me. I was sick because of my sin. There was nothing I could do to get out of that curse. Yet God, through Jesus, made me well, made me clean, and made me new. And I was in a prison because of my sin, destined for a place called hell. Yet Jesus saved me from the clutches of that prison and made me new. And he wants to do the same for you. some of us know that jesus is coming back we feel we got to get our house in order we need to start living right we need to start going to church when you start reading our bible we got all these things we got to do we know jesus is coming back we're expecting it and we got all these things that we got to do to clean ourselves up and here's what jesus is saying to you let me do the work let me do the fixing let me make you new let me make you clean And some of us need to just receive the fact that Jesus brought us from strangers to family. Here's the gospel. This Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, born in a cave, laying in hay, wrapped in scrap pieces of cloth, came for one purpose, and that's to love us and make us new, make us his family. Receive this good news that Jesus, although with a stranger his entire life lived in a way that can make us family and enjoy that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for making us family. Thank you so much for bringing us in. You you sought us out. You have made us new. You have cleaned us up. You have clothed us. You have made us well. Father, I pray that As we receive this good news that we are no longer strangers, that our eyes will be opened to the needs of those around us, and God, that we'll use our resources. We'll use what you've given us, our gifts, to pursue the stranger, to pursue those that are different. God, use Kearney E. Free Church to make an impact in the city of Kearney as we pursue the stranger And pursue those who are different from us. We love you and thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name.